This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. So I want to bring you a message today uh, from our Kiss the Wave series. Now, I was reading a book and read this phrase, Kiss the Wave, and it made such an impact on my life that I wanted to share it with you. And as I prepared to share this with you guys, I had no clue it'd end up being a three-part series. But God's really been speaking to us. But I want you to notice a few things about uh, this week. That One, I want you to notice the title. And we're going to come back around this, but it's Kiss the Wave is a series, and the title is, could you read the title with me? It is what it is. None of you have ever said that before. It is what it is. Help me one more time. It is what it is. All right, over in Isaiah chapter 26, verse number four. Why do we read the same verse over and over again? Somebody said, Pastor, why did you start doing that? Is that a lack of preparation on your part? No, I think it's a lack of reality that I realize that people don't learn that verse after one week. Sometimes it takes a few. And here's the truth that we find in Isaiah chapter 26. It would, I feel like I've done my job when you can quote this, okay? Because you know, one of the things I taught you last year was uh, uh, the, the, the message series about uh, John uh, baptizing Jesus when heaven opened, and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, okay? That we are God's child, that he loves us, and he's pleased with us. And I'll go places, and people quote that passage back to me. And this is one I want people to quote back to me. Ready for this? Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the rock of ages. Come on, help me one more time. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the rock of ages. Now, we need the rock of ages in our lives. Because we've been studying about waves that hit you. Does anybody else ever feel like that you just get not only knocked down once, but it always comes in a wave? Yeah, I sat down at a table with some of my brothers this week, or two, my only two brothers, and, and they began to describe the wave. And it was, it was kind of funny about tires that went flat and tractors that broke. And it was, it was like they were both telling the same story on the same day. And it was like it, they were like, one went flat, and then another went flat, and then another went flat, and then this broke. How many of you would think after one tire, this is the day the Lord has made? I will rejoice and be glad in it. What about after the second tire? <sighs> this is the day the Lord has... You know what I'm talking about? What about after the third tire? Stupid tire. Come on now. Ow, that hurt. But anyways, all right. But, you know, uh, we, we, we get frustrated and we lose the fact that life tries to knock us down in waves. Now, here's something we need to remember. Our God controls the winds and the waves. There is nothing that's coming against your life that God can't help you with. But one of the things we have to identify is why do waves come? Does anybody know what creates waves? Gravity. Gravitational pull. All right? 
So could I dare to say, and don't throw anything at me when I say this, that maybe the reason some of the waves that knock us down are because we've allowed something to create a gravitational pull to bring those waves into our lives. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, let's just read through it one more time. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Jesus knew they were getting to the other side. And suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake. Watch that with waves breaking into the boat. I don't know if Pastor Paul even planned that to sing songs about the waves that come against us, but I thought, well, that was so fitting with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. How many of you have ever felt like your life is going under and you don't know where God is? Wow. Then the disciples went and woke him shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Lord, a little attention here. We're going under. We're on the third tire, God. And suddenly, Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly, there was a great calm. How many of you are thankful for a God who can rebuke the wind and waves? The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the wind and waves obey him. Can I tell you that we serve a God that no matter what tries to knock you down, he is greater than everything that comes against you in your life. Amen. Now, where I began this study was I read a quote after a huge tragedy that Spurgeon had went through. It sent him through years of depression, and he said this. He said, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Now, we understand that what that's saying is that God is solid, and in a world that's trying to constantly push us under, we can hold on to God, and we can hold on with everything in us, and it will remind us that I really need him more than I ever knew before. And so, we've been on a search learning how to kiss the wave. Now, what does that mean? Well, we've been realizing that I allow that thing that knocks me down to remind me that it has not been given the ability to knock me out. Let me say that again. Whatever might knock you down has not been given the ability to knock you out because my God is faithful to carry through to the completion what he has started in your life. Some of you go, Pastor Don, you don't know how many times I've been knocked down and it takes me a long time to get up. Well, can I tell you something today? The blood of Jesus Christ is upon you and you can and you will get up. You will arise again and you will walk in victory. Can we give God a praise for that kind of thing? But one of the ways you learn to kiss the wave is, watch this, learning to acknowledge it is what it is. Now, I know none of you really ever said much of that, but I, I've been guilty of saying things like that in my life. It's an emotional response when you're frustrated. Somebody says to you, why are you responding that way? And you say, well, it is what it is. That's just how it is. You tell your kids, this is where we're going. And they go, I don't want to go. And you look at them and you say, it is what it is. Get in the car. <laughs> but I'm hungry. Get in the car. But I'm hungry. It is what it is. Get in the car. I've learned that that phrase is a lot easier as a parent than a grandparent. Because I believe the grandparent's job is not to be the disciplinarian, but to be the spoilplanarian. Did I say that right? 
it's much more difficult as a grandparent to be the, the one who says it is what it is. But I believe that's daddy's job. Daddy needs to be the one teaching them it is what it is. But what happens when daddy's not there and you're at Walmart and their emotions, you see, that's what happens. What happens is our emotions control us to the point that we think that if I throw a fit, it's going to change what it is. You can't have that toy. We've got to go. Now, my children, it was kind of easy. I, want, I don't want one letter over this. They're, it's good. They're grown. But when they tried to throw a fit in the floor, we found the bathroom door. Come on now. And we dealt with it in a loving, corrective way because, let me inform you, it is what it is, all right? But the problem was, now as a grandparent, I'm not going to do that because I don't think that's my job. Don't tell him I'm not going to do that, but that's not my job. So he falls on the floor, wanting said toy, wanting said piece of candy, and I have to explain something to him. You understand that you're not going to get that because your emotions do not change the rock that your emotions have caused me to become. Because I'm not moving just because you're throwing a fit in the floor. It is what it is. And it would be better for you to realize that it is what it is. You're not getting a $50 toy, but if you'll turn around and smile and stop and embarrass him, Papa, you might get the $5 toy. Come on now, because it is what it is. But the truth is, we try to change our lives by displays of emotion. And the, the reality that we need to come to is we need to leave things that had better stay in the past in the past behind us because we cannot change what is behind us, but we can stop emotionally going back, digging it up over and over and over again and expecting somehow we'll have a different outcome when we're tied up with the same problem that yesterday. Can I tell you something? My God doesn't want you to dig up what he's already buried under grace. He wants you to realize he's given you a better future, leave the past behind you. But the problem is our emotions get a hold of us and God wants to pour out blessings upon us. He wants to change our life. He wants to change our souls. But when we get emotional, the, we posture ourselves in an emotional way and we can't receive what God's wanting us to receive. Let me make this clear. What's the first thing that happens when somebody stirs up some emotional response in your life? A lot of times you grit your teeth. And then you clench your fist. <laughs> How many of you understand, if you're going to go ask for a raise, this is probably not the position to take. <laughs> your boss is going to go, Security? Why? Because this is not a, a position, a posture to receive. We're like, want God to move for me? And while you're at it, God, kill my enemy. <laughs> and God's like, can't bless that posture. 
What a powerful song they sung today. I may not have much, but what I do have is arms thrown open wide, and I can say hallelujah and praise and glory to the King of Kings. Why? Because that puts me in a better posture. An emotional posture says, like, can I tell you, no matter how hard I try, I cannot be refreshed because I cannot pick up this water with a fist. But when I open my hand, I can be refreshed by it. Why? Because I'm a assuming a better posture and I'm not allowing emotions to control me because no matter how upset I am, what happened has happened. It is what it is. Can't go back. Can't go back. We can't take hold of the promises of God with a clenched fist. So I have to make up a mind God, what do I need to allow you to do in me that changes who I am, that changes my soul, that changes my life? Can I tell you something beautiful? I can't fix most anything, but Jesus can fix everything. You see, most of us are just trying to figure out how, how to how to get over something. Let me just go ahead and tell you, there's a lot of stuff you're never going to get over. Matter of fact, people have been trying to tell you, get over it. You are never going to get over it. It's truth. The truth is, you're going to learn how to get through it, but you're never going to get over it. But what you can do is stop allowing the emotions that it stirs up to own you. And the way that you learn that is by realizing that Jesus wins every time. And when I realize that Jesus is the rock that I'm holding on to, it changes everything. So we try to clean ourselves up. We go to church and we, we just really want you to give me five steps that I can feel better about myself and I don't have to do the things I did yesterday. But again, all I'm worried about is not doing yesterday. You cannot change yesterday. If you have a judgment against you from yesterday, guess what? You're always going to have had a judgment against you from yesterday. If you were found guilty, you're always going to have been found guilty. If you were abused, you're always going to have been abused. If you had this disease, then you're always going to be one who had that disease. If you went through a tragic divorce, you're always going to be the one that went through that. You cannot change what happened yesterday. It is what it is. That's the truth. You can't fix it. You can't overcome that thing on your own. But you see, what happens is we try to find a balance. We try to say, well, you know, I'm not going to let it do what it did to me in the past. It pushed me into a bottle. It pushed me into a struggle. It pushed me into a fight. It pushed me into another divorce. It pushed me into all these things. And what you realize is this, the way you were handling it was not healthy. And I feel like I've got a word for you today because here's the problem. You mistook spiritual maturity for self-sufficiency. That's what I'm about to say to you. You need to get this. Self-sufficiency is the crime of the garden. If I can get that, I'll be like God. I'll be enough. But you see, self-sufficiency, we have to look at what it really means. When I am self-sufficient, you're going, well, I'm just, I don't need somebody to encourage me in the Lord. 
I still, I'm only getting the same word, Lord, hogwash. <laughs> if Jesus needed the disciples around him to encourage him, we need other people around us to encourage us in the things of God. If we need to be encouraged, then we must also become an encourager. We need, we are not self-sufficient. Self the devil wants you to make, to make you think you're on an island and nobody cares and nobody, you don't need anybody else. But here's the problem. When you become self-sufficient, suffice means I am enough. I am adequate myself. And there are many believers. I feel the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry if I, I've tried to behave and I just can't do it anymore. I am tired of people feeling like they can handle it on their own. And they live this life like, I'm good, I'm good, I don't need anybody else. What you're really saying is, I'm enough and I'm adequate and I'm able. And you're mistaking it for spiritual maturity. But the reality is, what you need to come to the realization is, none of us are enough. None of us are able. None of us can walk through the fire on our own. But when we trust in the Lord, He'll bring us through every hell. He'll bring us through every bondage. He'll bring us to the other side. Can I tell you something? His grace is enough. His grace is enough. But you go, Pastor Don, it doesn't change the fact I still hurt. Well, Paul understood this. I love this reality. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 8. Paul says this. You ready for this? He says... Three times, I begged the Lord, take it away. Can I tell you, the, can I just translate that for you? I learned my lesson. Can I pass the test now? As long as you're saying you learned your lesson, you haven't. Every time he said, I got it, God, enough. God said, but no, my grace is sufficient for you. But Lord, I've been through enough. He said, no, 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 no. My power works best when you realize you're not enough. So now I'm glad to boast and tell you I'm not enough. So the power of Christ is working in me. See, here's your problem. You think you're broken and everybody else has somehow found a way to hold it all together or hiding their brokenness. But the reality is when you stumbled into this church, you walked into a place who even the pastor will stand here and tell you, I'm broken and I have scars and I have wounds and the only way I can walk to this pulpit is not of my own power, but it's the same Holy Spirit that spoke to me before I backed out of the driveway this morning. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. There's a scripture that even says this, when you don't know what else to say, say grace. Grace, grace, grace to it. Call out the name of the Lord and then begin to speak his blessings upon it. Because you don't understand God's grace is powerful. Let me ask you a question. It is what it is, right? Uh -oh. Thank you. So what is your it? What is the it? that stirs up so many bad emotions in you that it makes you do things you wish you wouldn't do? What is the it that sets you back in life? What is the it that makes you do the thing you promised the last time you were in the altar you'd never do again? What is the it that you struggle with? Are you, are you there? 
You don't have to say it out loud. This is not a confessional. How many of you know what the it is? The majority of you. You know what the it is. There's something. Everybody has an it. You're going, Pastor Don, I don't have an it. Yes, you do. Even Moses had an it. His name means what? Drawn from the water. Moses was rescued out of the water. He commits a crime next to the water. He flees across the desert, and when he flees across the desert, he finds a a fight at the very first water he comes to. He also finds a wife there, but he finds a fight, then he finds a wife. What that's telling you is when you come to whatever your it is in your life, you'll either be defeated or you'll win, one of the two. And then all of a sudden, God talks to him and says, go back. And he goes back. And when he comes back, what happens next? All of a sudden, he walks up to the water and smites the water. Then he's leaving Egypt and he comes to the water. And God has to part the water. And when he gets to the other side of the water, he comes to the place that the water is bad, the bitter water and the grumbling and the complaining. And God has to deal with the water. And then there is no water, so he's strikes this rock and then God deals with him through the water and then eventually he doesn't even inherit the promised land because he loses the battle at his it. Preaching somebody needs to get this. Let me ask you one more time. What is your it? Because it is what it is. There's nothing you can do to change what your it has been your whole life. Now, Jesus goes to the cross. They nail him to the cross. Help me one more time. Say, it is what it is. They nail him to the cross. He hangs upon the cross. They all watch him suffer. They give him bitter wine to drink. And as he tasted, he lifts up his voice. After he's drank from the bitter wine, he lifts up his voice and he cries out, It is finished. Now I've got to tell you that when he went to the cross, he took your it to the cross with him to declare whatever the it is that's been destroying your life, its battle is won. It is over. It is finished. And God wants to You're not following me. I don't care what addiction. I don't care what sin. I don't care what struggle. And I don't care what problem has took you back. The God I've come to preach to you took it all the way to the cross. And your victory is won. It is finished in Jesus' name. Why don't you give him a praise like he deserves? Amen. Let me close with this today. I feel it. Listen to me. You just don't know how powerful it is. I just realized the series I'm working for for after Easter is working for this. Can I just go ahead and tell you? What you need is a taste of it, the Holy Spirit. But His grace is powerful. Many times you face things over and over and over again in your life. I'll never forget as a young boy watching my mother 
process the years of abuse and things that had, horrible things that could not be changed. But the three things that probably shaped her the most when I was a child. She had twin siblings born. One of them, the sister, died. And my grandmother grieved so deeply that it, 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 it almost took her out. Years later, in the abuse of the moment, in the anger of the moment, one of the immediate sisters, 16 years of age, gets into a, an argument with the main abuser, storms out of the house, grabs the keys on the way out the door, hits the first curve and never slows up dies in the curve. If that wasn't enough to process, just after we were born, a call comes in the night, screaming on the other end of the line. And my one aunt is dead under suspicious circumstances that no charges were ever filed in. There's no answers. Three dead sisters. I'll never forget the darkness that would come just like in like a wave. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It would just billow into the house. And as it would billow into the house, there's nothing that dad could say. You know, we men are fixers, right? We want to fix it. Nothing he could do to fix it. The kids, we'd see moms crying and she was processing these three deaths. We lived in this little small house right off the, literally right off, I mean the street was like, it feels like it was from here to there, you know. And, and it was probably about 600 square feet. But out the back door, out the kitchen, out the back door, into the woods, there was a path, a worn path. And in the woods, there was an old log that had fallen. And they had cleaned out around the log, my parents had. And they made it an altar. They'd made it a place of prayer. And I would remember the waves would billow in. And then mom would go out the door, down the path. She'd disappear to that old altar. I don't know. I was a child. I don't know how long she stayed. But all I know was when she came back, she was different. You see, the wave met the master. And somewhere along that journey to an altar, when the wave was trying to drown her, he spoke to the wind. And the wind that had come to destroy her became the wind of the Holy Spirit that anointed her prayers. Amen. And God rescued her from that darkness. She came back with a song on her lips and a 
worship in her soul. I don't know what your it is, but I know he nailed it to the cross. But Pastor Don, you don't understand. I'm afraid he's trying to get off the cross. Well, I don't know how to say it in other words, in other words, and say, well, beat it into submission and make it stay there. Take the grace of God and the blood of Jesus. And my goodness, the blood of Jesus is against the enemy. The blood of Jesus is against the enemy. The blood of Jesus is for me. The blood of Jesus is for me. Begin to declare, I'm not going under. I'm going over. I will reach the other side. I will be victorious by the blood of the Lamb. Devil, what you thought was going to take me out, you didn't know that Jesus had already settled it at the cross. It is finished. Your problem is you've just not been nailing it to the cross. The way you nail it to the cross really is you take up your own every day. Stay with me. We're going to close the service. What is your it? Don't call them out, please. <laughs> I said that question like that and you know, somebody begins to go, boom, and everybody around them goes, whoa, you just shared that. You know what the reality is? Everybody in this room has, has a mess. Everybody has something they carry. Everybody has a scar. Everybody has a wound. Everybody faces something that tries to set you back emotionally that prevents you from trying to move forward into who God's called you to be. I'm preaching truth. So the question is, are you willing to let it be gone cross with? Will you take it there? Will you let Jesus have died for that there? Because he did. You just have to accept it. The it that has controlled you is ready to meet the finish that he promised. Bow your heads with me in this place. It blows my mind how one sermon can preach three separate ways. First service, this was a very teachy sermon. Second service, very evangelistic. Third service, a deliverance message. Somebody is bound by something that God wants to set you free from. I want you to respect the fact that I'm talking in the holiness of the, of, of the Word of God right now. And I don't want anybody looking around and I want everybody praying. Now the camera's on this crowd. It's all pointed right towards me. Nobody's watching but the God of heaven and myself. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I know exactly what it is that's held me back in my life and I'm ready to be free. Can I just see your hand right where you are? I'm not going to embarrass you. Hands all over this place. Wow. Thank you. Put those down. I just feel like somebody's about to have the same kind of breakthrough. I just feel this that my mother had because the Holy Spirit's going to be empowering you. Right now. I, now listen, I'm talking to you really plain God's about to deliver somebody in this place maybe you're here and you say Pastor Don no I'm going to just shift that I just get to watch you say God <laughs> I've let it control me and you've never really controlled my life but if what this man is saying is true is the gospel is that Jesus died so that this could be destroyed and every sin of my life could be surrendered to you, I want to know you as 
my Savior. You may have prayed a prayer when you were 8, 10, 12. doesn't matter. You know if you've been living for Jesus. But today, everything changes. Right now, right here. I want to know. I didn't embarrass anybody else that raised their hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. But you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want to see your hand right where it is. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, thank you. Looking around this room, who'll join with these three? I've been looking around this room. Who will join with these three? It's been three in the last two services. Are there others in this room? Hey, you put those down in the balcony. I see those in the balcony. Are there others? Are there others? This is your moment. This is your time. This is your hour. Pastor Don, what, I just feel something. If you feel called out or on the spot, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm literally looking around this building as fast as I can. That's God dealing with you right where you are. He's saying, give it to me, and I will give eternal life to you. Is there another? Is there another? Maybe you're online, you're tuning in, and you're saying, that's me, that's me. Let us know, let us know. Thank you. Is there another? Holy Ghost. The Bible says that if we will confess Jesus Christ as Lord with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we would be born again. And so today, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with all of these many, I have so many, I've, I've lost count here, but that have raised their hand today to say that they're giving their life completely to Jesus. I want us all to go with them on this journey. And I'm going to pray for everybody and this service will be over. Let's pray together. Jesus. By faith, I believe your promises. Heavenly Father, I confess I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And in Jesus' name, from this moment forward, all that I have, all that I am, all that I will ever be belongs to you. And in Jesus' name, I declare God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for these many who prayed that prayer today. I thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do and what you're even going to do as this message goes even further, Father. Thank you, Lord, that some are driving down the road. They're hearing it. They're receiving. Some are sitting in their homes watching right now. They're receiving the grace of God upon their lives. And, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I, literally, it's like you're showing me every hand that went up. As my eyes are closed, but I feel it, the holiness of the moment, that you want me to declare over them that you saw every hand, and you are the God who finished it for each and every one of them, and they will be delivered by faith in Jesus Christ, for there is no greater thing than the grace, the grace, the grace of God that I speak over them now in Jesus' mighty name. It is finished. Amen. Come on, give God a praise like he deserves. Amen. God is so good. Come on, you can do better than that. It is finished. Amen. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.